the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions. Make them to ask such things as shall please you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the ninth Sunday after Trinity is recorded in 2 Samuel, chapter 22. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, 
but your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is recorded in the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10. Now what happened to the children of Israel became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, 
What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is the gospel of the Lord.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. This is the word of the Lord. The Bible is full of strange stories, isn't it? And the parables of Jesus are among the strangest. The parable of the unjust steward is about a master who commends his steward for having defrauded him. When the steward found out that he was about to be fired, he forgave large amounts of debt owed by his master's debtors. You owe me 100 measures of oil, now you owe 50. I'll sign off on it. You owe my master 100 measures of wheat, now you owe 80. I'll sign off on that. The debtors would remember the treatment they received by that unjust steward, And by this kindness, they would become his friends. What a guy. He reduced my debt. So when he is finally fired, they would receive him into their homes. Good thinking. Now we can understand why these debtors would become friends of the steward. But what is strange to us is that the master commends this unjust steward, and then holds him up as some sort of a pattern or example for us as Christians to emulate? The master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of life. So, you see, that's a strange story, isn't it? Go thou and do likewise. You know, defraud your neighbor. But it is in this verse of commendation that Jesus makes the point of comparison between what this unjust steward did in defrauding his master and what we as Christians all too often fail to understand. First, earthly mammon. What is earthly mammon? Money, property, goods. According to our Christian confession, earthly mammon actually means nothing to us. It's not our God. We do not place our trust or confidence in these things. It is not the goal of our lives. Second, earthly goods 
you know, money, property, wealth, position in life, is actually for us as Christians to be used as a means to confess those things that are important to us. By our earthly use of mammon, you and I as Christians confess what we believe in or sometimes by our use of earthly mammon deny what we say we believe in. By our confession of faith in very concrete use of this world's earthly goods, we as Christians, to use the language of the parable, win friends for ourselves in the kingdom of God. It's kind of a reference to uh, the results of missionary activities. What does this mean? One of the most stunning and remarkable things about this parable of Jesus is his commendation of unbelievers. What he calls the sons of this world who are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. We see this all the time. How many of you know people who are not particularly religious, they do not go to church, they do not profess to be believers in the Lord Jesus, yet they seem to be the most generous people you could ever hope to meet. They would give you the shirts off their back. And this used to trouble me. You know, if they're so generous and kind and they seem to have no use for the church, What's the point of the church? What's the point of being a Christian? It seems that the nicest people, the most generous, caring, and loving people are not Christians, but unbelievers. They're not in the church, but in the world. As I said, this used to trouble me, but not anymore. It's not because I don't care about those things. But there's a certain understanding that this parable gives about the way things work in the world in which God created. Jesus' parable helped me understand what was at work here, even in the lives and activities of unbelievers, because they too are made in the image of the God of self-giving sacrificial love. You don't have to be a believer, for example, to learn how things work in this world that God has created. You don't have to be a Christian to learn the value of friends, of family, of sacrificial love. You don't have to be a Christian to learn that there are more important things in life than earthly goods. That actually doesn't teach that Christianity is irrelevant. It actually teaches that Christianity is preaching the truth. But you don't have to be a Christian to learn that money can be used as a tool for expressing your beliefs and for helping others and, well, you know, for influencing people. And you don't have to be a Christian even to learn that mercy and forgiveness can often be of greater benefit than living according to the letter of the law, demanding your pound of flesh and what is fair and what is right. 
And this is what the unjust steward believed. It is what he understood. And this is what the unjust steward did. Having friends, companionship, and love was more important to him than earthly goods. But he also realized that he could use earthly goods, which really weren't his in the first place. They belonged to his masters, just like the earthly goods that we have really aren't ours in the first place. They belong to the master. He could use these things to obtain those things that were important. The debtors whom he forgave would become his friends, and they would receive him when his earthly goods failed him. And so Jesus says, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. You know how you get the attention of a mule at times, those stubborn critters, you bash it over the head with a two-by-four? I mean, this is kind of what Jesus is doing by this parable, that those who should understand the value of mercy most, the Christians who have received this, are the ones that so often act as if they understand it the least. It's the ultimate irony that unbelievers are quicker in realizing the benefits of mercy than we believers are. It is an irony because we believe that God's undeserved mercy in Christ is our salvation. So we should be the quickest to understand the need for mercy in everything that we do and in every relationship, particularly with those who have merited no such mercy. And yet we so often fail to understand this. But lest we get too carried away in praising the shrewd understanding of the unbeliever, let us examine the faith of his heart. Does anyone here think that the unjust steward acted first and foremost out of an altruistic belief that helping his neighbor was the most important thing? Not at all. He acted out of his own self-interest, even in the display of mercy and compassion to these debtors. And herein lies a very important point about the generosity and goodness of unbelievers. Their works of kindness toward others still flow from the belief deep down in their hearts that if they are good to others, they will be treated well in return. The motivation for their kindness is what they hope to get out of the deal. We certainly see that in the actions of the unjust steward. I'm going to treat him this way. When my stuff fails and I'm thrown out of the stewardship, I'll still have friends to take care of me. And there is a certain amount of truth in that belief. But it is not the Christian belief that God is kind and merciful and gracious to us for his benefit. Rather, he is kind and gracious and merciful to us in Christ, his Son, our Lord, whom he gave up for our salvation. He's kind and gracious for our benefit. 
unbelieving man loves for what he's going to get out of the deal. God loves freely in Jesus' unconditional sacrifice upon the cross in order to save you. He didn't do it for his own benefit, but for yours. And herein lies the heart of the matter. And what you and I confess, believe in, and cling to as Christians. Even though so many will reject God's gracious gift of love in his son, he still made that sacrifice. He still altered the debt, so to speak, canceling the sins of the world in the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. He still gave him to the world that whoever believes in him might have everlasting life. It was for your benefit, for the world's benefit, not for his own benefit that Jesus shed his blood and altered the debt of sin. Jesus' catechesis is always intended to call us to repentance on the one hand, and then a lively faith in Jesus' forgiveness on the other hand, in faith in the grace of God, that God saves me, though I do not deserve it. The parable of the unjust steward is no different. How slow we are to believe in the very mercy of God, which is the source of our salvation. We will claim God's mercy for ourselves, yet we are quick to deny it to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We will claim that money means nothing to us, yet we are so quick to hoard it and to hang on to it and to make a God out of it. There's plenty of Pharisee in all of us. And when we do manage to part with a little bit of kindness toward a brother or a neighbor, we all too often pat ourselves on the back or congratulate ourselves for it or look down in the mouth if we're not shown sufficient appreciation for the great sacrifices that we have made for others. Lord, have mercy upon us. And for Jesus' sake, God is merciful. Jesus is a lot like the unjust steward. Yes, hear me out. He gives, is given the stewardship by his master, God the Father. And he is sent into the world. But there is, if you read the Gospels throughout all of them, an accusation leveled against him that he is squandering his master's goods. In other words, if you were the father's son, if you were Messiah, you wouldn't be so generous in the mercy of God. What goods was he wasting? The father's love, the father's grace, the father's forgiveness. Did not the scribes and Pharisees reject Jesus as the father's steward or the Messiah precisely because of the way he dispensed the treasures of salvation. You're blaspheming because you give it as a gift. Did they not hate him because he preached the gospel to the poor, performed works of mercy on the Sabbath day? That's not right. That's not lawful. These people don't deserve it. And did he not give all kinds of gifts to those who were deemed unworthy. 
If you're the Christ, come down from the cross. No, had he come down from the cross, he would not have been the Christ. Because the Christ is that steward who sacrifices everything, not counting the cost to himself, but for our benefit. And was he not put out of the stewardship, as it were, when these accusations of unfaithfulness were brought against him? And then he was crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem. Did he not refuse to save himself? Did he not willingly take the shame of sin upon himself rather than, in the language of the parable, beg for mercy for his own welfare? This is what Jesus did. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He poured out his soul unto death. By the injustice of the cross, he won our freedom from the debt of sin. So Jesus is a lot like the unjust steward. No wonder he is commended by the master for it. At the beginning of the sermon, I said that this parable made the point of comparison between the unjust steward and what he did and what we so often fail to understand as Christians. Because of Jesus and the mercy we have received from him, earthly mammon means nothing to us. It is not the goal of our lives. Rather, Christ is the object of our faith. But because of Jesus' mercy that we have received, our earthly goods are used to confess what is important. Just as Jesus gave everything that he was for what was most important to him, your salvation. By our use of earthly mammon, we confess what we believe in. By our use of earthly mammon, we confess the Christian faith. Or we deny it. It is a powerful witness to the truth of the gospel when Christians sacrifice their earthly goods for the salvation of their neighbor without counting the cost to themselves. It is a powerful witness to the truth of the gospel when the church spares no expense for the confession of the name of Christ and is unwavering in her work. By the reckless generosity of our temporal goods, we show the reckless generosity of God's sacrificial love in Christ. But not for our benefit. To give away the very salvation that we ourselves have received. So Jesus says to his church, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when it fails, and all these earthly things surely will fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. And they will on the last day with all the redeemed in Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us confess the faith with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful Father, you show mercy to us poor sinners. Lead us to acknowledge your mercy with gratitude, that in turn we may be quick to show mercy to others. Give us right understanding of our own weakness and frailty. Preserve us from pride and lead us instead to cling to Christ and his forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. Bless our congregation, O Lord, that we would not fall prey to grumbling, adultery, idolatry, disbelief, and other great shame and vice. Support your servants called to preach throughout the world, especially the pastors of our sister synods. Do not let them be lured away into false doctrine or led, lead anyone astray, but preserve them in the truth of your holy word. Grant your blessing upon Reverend Matthew Uttenreither and his family, in this acceptance of the call to Ascension Lutheran Church in Niles, Illinois, and grant your guidance and continued blessing on our process of calling an ordained headmaster and associate pastor. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, bless, protect, and grant peace to your servants, Kay Trapp, Mary Dukert, Wyatt Thoney, Julie Golterman, Polly Jobert, David Hardenbrook, Keith Kunkel, Ted Dine, Anna Steinhild, Larry Martin, and Katie Uttenreither celebrating baptismal birthdays, that preserved in the true faith, they may inherit the blessings of salvation and live in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. We give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of holy matrimony and for your preservation of Scott and Chantel Perry, Tom and Donna Alfdenberg, Andrew and Jocelyn Bender, David and Christine Hardenbrook, John and Kay Trapp celebrating wedding anniversaries. Grant them faithfulness to each other that their lives may bear witness to the love of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
Give us a right fear of you, O Lord, that we would not abandon your truth. Give us a right love of you, O Lord, that we would fervently show mercy and thereby cover a multitude of sins. Give us a right trust of you, O Lord, that in repentance we would return to our baptism daily and in faith receive Christ's body and blood in the Holy Supper of our Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Uphold our nation and give us good government. Let those with authority not only be shrewd in their dealings, but also act with love, righteousness, and devotion for the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers for the sick, suffering, and needy, for children in foster systems and the adults who care for them, for John Leiter recovering at home from the effects of multiple strokes, Kevin Karras in rehab, Jeremy LaFour and his family as he battles ALS, Gabby, Tom, Timothy, Irwin, James, Jim, and Abruyeba Amaso in various stages of treatment for cancer. Give them strength to endure their trials until you remove them. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord who, having created all things, took on human flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary. For our sake he died on the cross and rose from the dead to put an end to death, thus fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into the flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive. Renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. O Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.